overlooking Phoenix. From high above in the Star Worldwide Network Studios, Batch Boys. Stories, insight, guests, and true blue humor with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Brought to you by OfficerPrivacy.com, the company's officers trust with their online privacy. And now, here they are, the Badge Boys. Welcome back to another edition of the Badge Boys, a show where two retired cops talk to the community. I'm retired Crime Stopper Sergeant Darren Birch. I'm retired Phoenix Police Officer Jason Schechterly. And we have a wonderful show with two retired detectives in the East Valley of the greater metropolitan Phoenix area. They both had horrific incident where PTSD or PTSI, as I like to refer to as an injury. We'll have them on the show, talk about what occurred and a wonderful organization, a 5013C nonprofit helping police officers called Pistol, Post-Incident Stress Trauma in Law Enforcement. Then in the second segment, we're going to go into the grand jury indictment of the couple in St. Louis. Put your seat buckles on. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a bumpy road. And then the last segment, we're going to have the heroic headlines, a particularly funny the Blasio Report, and yes! Jason's always inspirational and close. So stay tuned, stay informed, and most of all, you're going to be entertained. More stories, inside guests, and true blue humor coming up on Batch Boys. We'll be back right after this. I remember the, I remember moment. the moment. I'll never forget that moment. As long as I live. As long as I live. Several of us were working to rescue a family. The house collapsed on top of the cellar door and trapped them. We had to use Humvees and heavy machinery to move massive trees and debris. We got them out. We helped a lot of people out. It felt good to know I could really make a difference. Because I'm a citizen soldier in the National Guard. Be there the moment your community needs you. Learn more at NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Arizona National Guard. Aired by the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station. Move over, AZ. Arizona's move over law requires you to move over or slow down when you drive past any vehicle pulled over with flashing lights. Remember, every vehicle, every time. Move over, AZ. Sponsored by ADOT in partnership with the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station. You're listening to Badge Boys with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Now, back to the Badge Boys. You know, Jason, there's a lot of wonderful truly wonderful nonprofit organizations that help law enforcement. Sure. 100 Club, right? Yes. Unbelievable. And there's one that you may not have heard of, but I love their acronym. It's PISTOL. Perfect. That's a great name. It is. is. I fucking hate that name. (laughs) Post-incident stress. And welcome to the show, my favorite guest already. That was Manny Angelo, who is the vice president of Introduced himself. I love it. And he hates We're going to have to find out. How do you hate that name? It's a great name. Right? We're going to have to find out. It's a great acronym. Fucking stupid. We also have (laughs) Veronica Butler. Uh, Both of them were detectives uh, in the East Valley. Uh, Manny was with Mesa for 15 years, I believe. Uh, And then Veronica with. Gilbert, Gilbert Police Department, for those who don't know in Chicago what Gilbert is. It's, it's, it's also a large size department, kind of like Mesa. It's a great department. <laughs> Manny, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Gilbert's a great department. It's a township. <laughs> Gilbert? Township. It is not. It is. I, We're still the town. Yep. <laughs> We're just I, I have a lot of good friends at the Gilbert Police Department. I, and, and, uh, cops, I got your back. Thank you. Uh, Talking about have your backs, cops have such great humor. You look at the funny side of things. Even when things go bad, we kind of use humor to kind of um, to kind of 
de- decompress, I guess, is yeah, the way to. I say it. And I've been in a shooting. I've been shot at three times on the department. Um, one of the times, it was a situation where afterwards, oh, my God, it had all this. I only thing I can describe it as a looped reel. I, oh, I kept seeing things over and over mm-hmm. and over and over. And it, I couldn't control my brain. Now, that was acute. That wasn't PTSI or PTSD. That was just me dealing with it within a 30-day period after the shooting. And I was able to decompress. I was able to move on with my life very easily. Uh, both of you have had a horrific event occur. Um, and for different reasons, PTSI or PTSD has incurred. I want to start, ladies, first. I'm going to go with Veronica. <laughs> always. Always. <laughs> always. Uh, Veronica, please uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your career, and then what happened. Um, so I was with Gilbert for just over 14 years. Um, during that time, I worked patrol and as a detective um, in our homicide. For us, it was considered violent crimes and then also our child and sex crimes um, unit. In so I'll start at the beginning. Back in 2012, we had a mass homicide, and um, I was the, one of the first on scene. And in that um, scene, there was a 15-month-old who'd been shot in the head along with the rest of her family. At the time, the 15-month-old really did not affect me. Um, I was, what affected me the most was seeing um, all the guys that I worked with and how effective they were with it. So, um, you know, 30 days, I'm good again, like, go back to work as normal. Didn't really have any issues from it after that. In 2015, um, our police department had enacted a new policy saying we had to see... um, contracted psychologist for any critical incident prior to returning to work. So in August of 2015, um, one of our motors was involved in a shooting. I was one of the first on scene for that. So essentially my whole team had to go see this lady. And um, when I went in there, it was fairly basic. You know, I just told her, look, I'm good. The bad guy is the one who lost his life today. Our officer's good. So I'm good. Um, She then started asking me if I had ever seen a psychologist prior to um, for any police-related things. So I briefly mentioned the incident in 2012. Um, She started asking questions about it. And then she started um, what I know now as EMDR. She started doing that um, very, I would say, from what I've learned, very inappropriately. Getting into the weeds and resurfacing, almost creating trauma. Right, absolutely. So um, I walked in there as healthy as I could be. And, I and left. you're from a family of law enforcement, aren't you? Correct. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I left never the same. Wow. Wow. Uh, was there any kind of feedback uh, that went back to her? Like, what the hell are you doing? So when I, I went back to her and I told her what was going on, because she described it as, oh, you know, just get rest this weekend. You're going to feel like you had a really good workout. And that was kind of how she sent me home. And, and I didn't. I, I felt like crap. And um, I... I almost instantly went into like major depression, isolation, like anger, like everything you can think of just happened. Um, I had no clue what was going on because I'd never had any of those symptoms before. I never felt like that. Um, When I told her about it, um, I had like major anxiety. Um, She recommended I go see my um, primary care doctor to make sure I wasn't just having normal heart issues. So I did. They... um, sent me back saying, no, whatever she did is what's happening. And so, you know, I just, I had, I went through the process, the workers' comp process, obviously denied immediately, um, had to get a lawyer, do that route. Um, But it was, I mean, it's been a long road. That was 2015, and here we are 2020, right? And, I mean, obviously much better. That's 
that's not a long road. Five years and give yourself some credit. That's that 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 really is a blink of an eye. There's there's a lot going on still. So I give you credit for that. And it shut down your career early because uh-huh. you were career because your parents were cops. If I remember right, right, my We've father been, was. Yep. I can't help but be angry at that counselor. Oh, absolutely, I was the most angry with her. Yeah. Did she stay on that department? Um, I, and so, she was subcontractor, correct? Right. She was subcontracted. Um. So. Um, nobody in my agency even knew, aside from my supervisor, that I was seeing her because she had requested I come back week after week for a few weeks, and she continued to do the same thing. And then when I told her that what she was doing was causing this, right, she essentially just stopped treatment. She disregarded phone calls, emails, text messages. I mean, I would send her emails like, I don't fucking know what I'm doing. Like, I'm going to die and she would just not respond wow. to anything. So it's amazing, isn't Jesus it? Christ! Yeah. And, and, and tell me, there's a, a upside to the story where she was let go and she was eventually. No so we had a, a couple months after that, we had another um, shooting, and I went to a good friend of mine who was an IA, and I just said, "Hey, do you know who's going to be treating them? Um, this is what's going on with me." And he was like, "Oh my God, nobody even knows that you're doing this. Nobody knows you're seeing her. Nobody knows what's happening." And so it was after that. Um, that they, they no longer had her there anymore. And that's a problem with uh, municipalities, cities, and governments. They, you know, the lowest yep. bit, <laughs> you know, you get, you get what you pay for sometimes. Uh-huh. Uh, now, how are you now? You, you seem great. I, I know you're in real estate. You do <laughs> homes for heroes. We've talked about that in right. the past. Uh, tell me about yourself. Um, I, I've, I personally feel like I'm a lot better, obviously, Good. than I was before. Like I said, for me, I feel like it's been a really long road. But... Um, the last couple of years have definitely been much better. I feel a lot more back to who I used to be um, versus when I was, you know, stuck in that hole. And I don't want to get into pistol yet. I'm going to go with uh, Manny here and mm-hmm. tell us his story, and then we'll uh, segue into pistol because you're both involved in pistol. So, Manny, tell us a little bit about yourself, your career. Uh, I appreciate you guys having us out again. I know we've talked before. Um, so, my name is Manny Angulo. I uh, used to work for Mesa PD for about 15 years, roughly. Uh, I cut my teeth at Maricopa County Sheriff's Office, and I worked the jails. That's where I started back in 95. And you Good for you. Yeah. I couldn't have done it. Good yeah. for you. Seriously. I got my black belt ver- verbal judo there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, bet, I bet you did. I bet you did. Yeah. No, no guns to play at people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Talk yourself uh, out that's, no, that's, that's no joke work at no, DOC. It, it should it never isn't. be disrespected. <laughs> so um, when I started there, I, I worked a lockdown unit, and uh, – I knew I wanted to go to the streets, so I put in for various. I put in for Phoenix, MCSO, Mesa. Mesa just happened to pick me up before anybody else. Um, so I, I started in '99, 2000 ish, somewhere around there. Uh, went up through the ranks in patrol about four or five years, and then uh, I went over to the gang unit and uh, did the gang unit for many years, and uh, ultimately was back in patrol and in. Um, July 31st of 2012, we got dispatched right out of briefing to a drowning, which is pretty standard in Arizona. Lots we of had drownings. gone to those all the time. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, any unit break in the city. We were busy, and uh, I followed up. My partner was dispatched primary, and uh, we get there, and I see my partner working, Caden, and uh, I could see the mom was hysterical. And you know, coming from a, a detective bureau where drive-by shootings were pr- pretty much common or assaults. I had heard mom screaming before, so uh, 
I knew what my role was. It was to take mom because my partner had the baby, was working the baby. So I took mom away from the scene. And uh, I got her calmed down, just trying to get her ready to get onto the ambo. And, you know, when the fire guys got there, then they shot the adrenaline into uh, the baby. And she just, she just lost her shit again and started screaming. And, you know, I thought she was going to go into the ambulance. And then the, the fucking firefighters are like, yeah, she can't come with us, you know. Not so, <laughs> I, I love how these firefighters do that. No, no, yes. no, no. Yeah. no. That's a police job. You're all big, yeah. you're all bigger and stronger than us, yeah. and yet you're like, no, no, right? We don't want that person. Right. So you know, I didn't have a choice. So I put her in the back of my car. My partner stayed back with um, the scene, and uh, it was July. You know, so I had all the fucking windows rolled up and the air blasting, and she's screaming and. You know, she's calling me baby killer for some reason. Oh, my God. uh, I get her to the hospital, and I think that, uh, you know, they have people there, right? Like social workers and shit to to deal with it. You're thinking unload. Yeah. So I walk her in, and we take her right back to that quiet room, and, you know, nothing comes of that good out of that quiet room. So I sit her down, and I get her calmed down, and then, you know, clergy and and, uh, social services get in there. And uh, I'm standing just outside the door, and um, I look down the hallway, and I see the doctor walking towards me. And beyond the doctor, I can see my partner, who was third on scene, who had Caden. And uh, I looked at the doctor, and I'm like, no, no, no. Bad news. I'm not, I'm not doing this. Because he had this look, like, guess what you're going to do, yeah. right? We've all done it. If you've no, done oh it, yeah. you're shutting the death Oh, yeah, yeah, you don't, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no. Worst job. Worst yeah. job in the it is. So I was like, no, nah, this is your house, bro. Like that's right. Good for you. You got people yeah, here right. for this shit, you know. And uh, he looks at me and he's like, "What?" And I said, "Look, you got social services here. You got clergy here. You know, I'll stand guard and make sure, you know. But I'm not going in to tell her kid's dead." Uh, and so he goes in, and as soon as he tells her, man, it's it's fucking this most. I'd never heard it a scream like that. Prim- and, primal. Yeah, and uh, which is okay. That, yeah, that yeah. part of it, I mean, that should, that, it that's should how happen I react. Right. Is something, yeah. And so immediately the, you know, the, the clergy and the social services, they stand up and walk out. And she's on the ground screaming, and the doctor walks past me, and he's like, oh, you can take her to see her kid whenever you're ready. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I'm taking her to see her kid? You know? I have seriously, ne- in 20 years, I have never heard... Of the scenario that you're describing. Yeah. I've been on plenty of death scenes working in homicide uh, a lot of times with children. I've never heard of what you're describing. This yeah. is, this is like out the of the ball. twilight zone. Who? Yeah. Not, yeah. A lot of them dropped the ball. Yeah. This is crazy. So uh, the least qualified person to deal with those type of issues in terms right. of, you know, emotional support. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm. You know, I'm a dad at the time, and fuck, you know, I got to take oh, this yeah. mom to see her kid. Yeah. And uh, I know she's going to see, you know, the dead baby. So, you know, I walk her down the hallway, and she's – something I never did before was nobody ever got on my gun side. But that's my strong side, so I had to hold her up. So we walk back into the ER where, they're, you know, they're cleaning up all their shit, and um, the nurses are in there and the whatever they pick up. And as soon as we walk in uh, – they just fucking walk out like wow and so now i'm in this room with this mom 
And uh, she, you know, she's over this kid screaming and shit. And I'm holding her, and I'm trying. I remember thinking I, I got to give her enough time to 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 say goodbye. But man, that shit seemed like an eternity. You know, she's screaming in my ear and banging, and and so I I don't want to pull her away and tell her enough is enough. You know, it's the last time she's gonna see her kid. Um, so I just let her go. Uh, yeah, I think there's we, no time limit on this. Yeah, that's it. And so, you know, to my detriment, you know, she. I think she was at peace with it after it was probably about five to seven minutes. Um, and so I said, you know, are you ready to go back? And we, you know, we walked back, whatnot. Um, and so I get her back and I'm like, fuck, you know, this is, this is weird. I'd never experienced it like that before. And um, so I, I put her in, in the quiet room and I'm keeping guard and her family starts showing up and, you know, homicide guys show up like they usually do to see what's going on. And, uh, so I was, you know, I was edged. It was just, it was a different vibe, you know, of all the scenes I had been on. Uh, I could tell it was a reaction to my body, just the, the nerves of the screams and holding her. And um, so Homicide gets there. It, it turned out to be an accident. And uh, so, I, I, you know, just like we do and what people don't understand is after critical incidents like that, we just go 10-8. Like, we just go available. Uh, to that's next call. what... To the next call. So glad you brought that up. Next call could be a shoplifter. Right. And you're sitting there. And there's a video, and you mean mean with a well, shoplifter. Yeah, that's the, the, scenario well, the, the, security car, the security guard at Walmart's freaking out because somebody just stole a $40 pair of shoes. And people don't understand don't. where you just came from. But on the flip side, that's part of your job. Right. You have to mm-hmm. transition into... All right, well, this is a big deal right now, what, how, what these people are going through. How many bad videos have been out there that went viral with a cop being mad at someone, and you have no idea the call they just came right. from? Right. You have mm-hmm. no idea. So, so uh, But we're not allowed to do that. Yeah. We're right. not, that's not part of the job description. That's right. what we're not told in the academy. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, and, the, and the, you know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, after I was done with that, because remember, this came out right at the beginning of the shift, so I still got fucking seven more hours of this job. Um, so now I got paperwork that I got to write because I had the mom and all this good stuff. And, and, um, so I start, I start writing my paper and then I'm going to go shag some more calls. And I, I'm thinking to myself, you know, why am I hearing this scream in my head still? Like I should shake it off or do something. So throughout the day, I just kept kind of shagging calls and pushing through it. And, um, about 10 o'clock at night, a hot tone comes out and it's fucking another drowning. And I was like, this is fucking not good. So they had sent my partner off because he had worked the baby. Um, and so I was like, fuck, you know. And so he got to go home. Yeah, they, they, sent him, they sent him home. And so, which was good. And he, I think him. if you're working a kid, you know, you should it probably It is good, but him. how is what you did any different? Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of the stuff that, that we discussed. But, you know, just, just real quick to stay on track. So, so I just went to my boss and... and you know, he, it, it was already time for Graves to come on and I just had to wrap up some stuff. So I, my boss saw me and said, look, we sent your buddy home, you know, won't just cut out early. So I did. Good, and Good boss. Uh, so I get to the house and I, I wasn't a big drinker at the time. And uh, so I get there and it's. <laughs> but there are days. The time. Uh, <laughs> there are days. <laughs> no, I, I ultimately became a boozer and alcoholic. It wasn't good. But wow. um, so. I get to the house, and when I get to the house, I'm thinking to myself, how the fuck am I going to go to sleep? Like, it's almost midnight. Everybody's in bed. I had been a cop for many years by that point, so my wife really didn't have that what happened stage. Yeah. 
and uh so i think to myself you know well if i just have some whiskey it'll calm me down take mm-hmm. the edge off and i'll be able to crash sure and so i tried that it didn't work um you know, I'm stupid. I'm a guy. So I'm like, why not try gin? That should work, you know? Just sure. Whiskey. Go, go to gin. gin. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That makes sense. That's a, that that's sense. a good yeah, plan let's, B. Let's right. That's a good plan let's B. Let's throw some lighter fluid down my <laughs> yeah, throat. Right. That'll work. <laughs> Seems reasonable. We're, we, we, we're not bright and no. we don't play with these, so it's okay. Self-medication isn't right. our forte. Right. <laughs> so uh, so I uh, I do that, and, and, and I just toss and turn all night. Um, I wake up the next morning. My wife's like, how'd it go? And I said, it's fine. So in my world, and I'm pretty sure in your guys' world, when I told my wife, fine, that usually meant that an officer wasn't killed or hurt. It didn't mean that I had the best shift ever. I came ever, home. Right? I like, came I got home, home yeah, and yeah. everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, a good day. Yeah. A good so day. I didn't tell her anything. And then uh, I, I, I get ready for the next day, you know, for my day's work. And I'm, and I'm driving into work. And I get a phone call from um, Internal Affairs. And they're dropping an internal on me for a hit that had been placed on my life. Uh, and, and I remembered very distinctly something, something snapped, like when that call came down, because I thought, well, I'm the fucking victim here. Like, you guys are putting me under investigation. Um, and, and so I, I just remember telling the IA guy, you know, you fucking talk to my attorney, you know, whatever. And I hung up the phone and I got to my, to my boss in briefing and and i see him and my boss at the time had 20 some years on and he looks at me he's like what the fuck's wrong with you man he's and i said look you fucking put me on the streets right now i'm fucking find the first gang member i find i'm killing yeah i was angry i hadn't slept these screams were killing me uh and so he's like hey go to go to my office and i was like yeah it's probably a good idea and so he said you know he comes in but what i didn't say was when that after the call came in from IA, and, and I remember it snapping. I called Nate, I called my partner um, from gangs, and I told him, look, something's wrong, and, and I need help. And he's like, you, you need to come over here. So I'd already set up some stuff and asked for help. And um, You realized there was a problem. Yeah, and so, you know, I called him, and then I met him and my other partner. And when I saw them, I, I like... I'm, I'm assuming you broke down. Yeah, I get emotional. Every time, but, um, yeah. you know, I was there's somebody there that's strong for you. Well, no, we're it, always strong. Right. And then when someone's strong for you, that's when you can break right. down. You finally get the breakdown. Right. And, and by that time, Nate had already been through a couple of his incidents and, um, I just needed the screams to stop. Like I remember like you need, you need to make them stop, you know, whether, you know, I blow my fucking head off to make them stop or, um, you know, some, which a lot of people do. Right. Sadly. Right and now. so yeah. uh, they, they tried to get me help. So, and, you know, I remember they were like, well, what are we going to do? And again, and you guys understand how dumb we can be. <laughs> and they said, well, we need to get you to your house, right? And I said, no, nah, you know, I can't, I can't see my wife like this. You know, like my wife had never seen me like this before. Yeah. I felt weak and, and bothered. And uh, they said, well, shit, you know, well, let's go get your hotel. And I was like, was this going to fucking disappear for the rest of my life? My wife's not going to visit me. So I, yeah, I, and the, what kind of hotel? One, the one place I should not be is alone. And you're suggesting right. I right. be alone yeah. Yeah. in a hotel. I, I will blow my head off. Right. And it's a hotel by the fucking, hour? Or? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But again, well, it seemed very reasonable given the circumstances. And uh, so that I got talked off that ledge. And um, 
And then I, I got home. I called my wife and said, look, I, I got to come home and talk about a call. And so, you know, my wife had never seen me like that before. Um, and then that started my downhill, you know, spiral. It clearly, like you said, it, that at that point was just acute stress. Um, I had just uh, put in some paperwork per my sergeant. I had put in some uh, paperwork to see the work comp doctor and, and when you get injured in line of duty. And, uh, and, and so I knew something wasn't right, but I, I didn't think that it was as detrimental as it was. And uh, I, looking back, I think about how I could have been and how many, how many times officers could have been saved if they just dealt with the acute right. stress accordingly. And um, it wasn't that my department failed me at that point. They did get me to the doctor that diagnosed me with acute stress from that critical incident. Um, what ended up happening, and I can't get too much into it because the fuckers at work comp it made me sign a non-disclosure. But <laughs> <laughs> you get over workers' comp. Yeah. I've, been, I've been there, buddy. Uh, so uh, been there. So, uh, but they they denied my claim, and then it it started uh, a four-year battle of litigation. Um, Snowball. And and so what it did was instead of you know I tell people we do speaking engagements, and I tell them. You know, if you if you have a cold and you ignore it, it becomes a flu. If you have the flu and you ignore it, it becomes pneumonia. If you ignore that, you'll die. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like PTSD. Like you don't just wake up and have PTSD. Right. Like the, you have acute stress. There's things that are there, and they're all treatable. Um, it just so happened that in my particular case and many others, they just think that they can send you over here and and throw money at it, and it'll be good. Um, and so when they denied my claim, my wife had to go through the phone book to find somebody that dealt with what I was going through and I and that's when I quickly realized that people will put anything in their ad to get business and they're like well I work I work with first responders and cops and they don't um and so it just spiraled out of control from there uh and you know at one point at my worst uh I was still working um and I ended up having to go to the emergency room on duty because uh, they thought I was having a stroke. And when I got to the emergency room, uh, the doctor had said, you know, we're going to hit you full of Ativan, which is a great drug, by it's the way. It's a great <laughs> drug. It is. If, it if is. You want to medication yes. a drug. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. highly recommended Ativan, in pain. Highly, yes, yes, I'm with you right there, Manny. Ativan is awesome. And they the hit me. The Yelp rating, I think, is fine. Yeah. Off the scale. Yeah. If they... Uh, they give you the option, definitely take the <laughs> um, Yeah, if given the choice. Yeah. And so he's like, hey, and I said, okay, why? And, and he said, you know, your, your uh, blood pressure is 195 over 155, and you're about to stroke out. And by that time, I'd already been diagnosed with PTSD. So I, I told him, I, you know, I have PTSD. And um, so that was further on down. A few months after all this had rolled out, they had found me a doctor. Um, and so... In the interim of all that, then came the rest of everything. You know, I became a boozer. Um, you know, I drank heavily, uh, just trying to get the screams out of my head, trying to be able to sleep. Um, and the entire time, you know, I thought, fuck, this is a Manny issue. This isn't a, a, a law enforcement issue. Yes. Like, I just thought yes. this was yeah. me, yeah. you know. And and I remember thinking, you know, I had failed uh, my family and myself and I had failed, you know, my buddies on the squad. Why can't I just suck this up? Right. right. This is what I talk about all the time, Darren. 
and I don't know what show we're on, 87, 88, there is so much beauty and strength in vulnerability, and nobody will express it. And what Manny just said in the past 30 seconds is exactly what I'm fucking talking about all the time. Mm-hmm. It yep. is a beautiful thing, buddy. It really is. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, you know, um, I, I had a routine uh, from the time I got into the jails, you know, and this ultimately probably led, my doctors would say this would probably led to the worst part of the PTSD, was the dissociation. So when I left the house, um, starting when I first got in law enforcement, I just somehow figured out to switch off, you know, myself at home to officer. And, and, and I became an officer and almost resilient to a point of being bulletproof where I thought, mm-hmm. fuck it, let's go through these doors right. because we're going to do this one way or the other. Cool. My training's going to get over on you because you shoot a gun stupid and I don't. Um, and then I'd turn it back on when I got home and I became dad or whatever. But eventually what happened was that switch got broken. And I was just constantly in... in cop mode. In not cop mode, but resilient mode where nothing bothered me. Mm-hmm. I think you hit on a key point. And, the, you know, words matter. Terms matter. How we say things matter. Mm-hmm. And you just brought up something that I've never heard somebody say. We, we talk about PTSD just because that's what is common and doctors will throw around. But I always refrain from saying it because I don't believe in it. I don't believe in the disorder part of it. PTSI. I believe in PTS, PTSI. But you just said a key word, disassociation. Yeah. That's more what it is. And what we don't talk about going back to the academy and – for law enforcement, for firefighters, for DOC, what you do not talk about is, I just did a podcast last night for a uh, trauma behind the badge for other officers who had been injured in the line of duty. And what we focused on was instead of the PTS or the PTSD, it was the PTG, post-traumatic growth. When you talk about the disassociation or you talk about starting to drink, having a hard time talking to your wife, wanting to kill the next gangbanger you see. That is the stuff that across the country we do not, you know, I teach at the academy and I will walk into the class and I always ask just out of curiosity, who's the youngest person in here? And inevitably in every class, there'll be a 20 year old kid Mm -hmm. who's going to turn 21 and be able to carry a gun. And then there'll be, somebody my age 47 (laughs) who is changing careers and i'm like i spend half my class focusing on listen there's something that they're not telling you it doesn't matter what you've seen on tv live pd or in the movies or what you've heard from anybody else resiliency is not something that you just have right now it's something that has to be built after you go through whether you catch on fire, whether you shoot and kill somebody like Darren did, and I'm sorry to say that so, oh, no, no, no. so casually, but I, I never had to do it, thank God. <laughs> but when you go through these incidents, you do not know how you're going to feel or how you're going to react. And that is something that we need to teach as a law enforcement society across the country is to tell these people when they're first starting out, 
this is what may be coming down the road. No, no, will be coming down right. the road. And when you feel what you feel, if you don't embrace it, if you have the disassociation, you're in a world of hurt. Go yeah. ahead, Derek. And I think that's a perfect segue for a pistol. Um, how did you finally get help? Talk about pistol. So um, from start to finish my whole time, I have saw about 15 mental health professionals, everything from a social worker to a neuropsychiatrist um, because of the screams. And um, my treating psychologist, who my attorney and work comp came to meet uh, to tell me to go see, was uh, treating other officers. And uh, she kept talking about, you know, this fucking, uh, you know, you should talk to these other officers. Like, nah, you know, I didn't smoke anybody. And I got no issues with that shit. Um, and she just kept harping on me. And because of patient cri- pl- uh, client privilege, she couldn't just fucking bring us together. So I, 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 I thank her tremendously on, on the trajectory she sent us. But, you know, she okie doked us and put us in the same fucking waiting room together. And then nonchalantly said, oh, hey, this is Manny. This is Dave. And, <laughs> nice little clever right. uh, ploy. So, uh, so she introduces me to Dave Bagayo, who was involved in the Ledesma shooting. Oh, yeah. He got, yeah. He got shot. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, she keeps telling us, you know, you guys should help cops. I was like, I can't fucking help myself. How the fuck am I going to help somebody else? That's always like, the go-to uh, thing. Right. You should talk to this person. Right. I don't want to talk to that person. I don't want somebody to say... I know how you feel. Right. No, you fucking don't. You know how many times I've been told, oh, you should talk to this person who was burned or caught in a fire. I, what good is that going to do me? Right. right. Somebody, oh, listen, I know exactly what you went through. No, you don't. Right. right. Every scene is different. And when you talk about the Ledesma shooting, I mean, that was one of the bigger tragedies we had here in the Valley. And uh, not so I, tremendously for Carlos's family but the surviving officers right. in there yeah. in a in a hail of gunfire in a four-bedroom house i can't even fathom what that right. was like so you bring up god your points are just I, it, spot on this, listen this show is gonna have to go like three hours today because <laughs> this this is such an important topic and manny you are absolutely killing it on the just the common sense Mm-hmm. of it and where I, I can't believe you talked to 15 different people and you and then most of them tell you well you should talk to this person that is the worst for all of you out there if you happen to be listening social workers doctors do not say that i should talk to this person because they went through a similar incident that is an epic amount of bullshit and like, i like, god that pisses me. and i love how your story manny dovetails into Veronica's in the, in the sense that Veronica went to the wrong person right. and there is a wrong person out there. Yeah. There's a right person. There's a lot right of wrong people. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, t- so having said that, <laughs> tell us about the right people. So back to meeting Dave, what you were talking about. Um, so they come and, and we have to come up with a fucking name and Dave comes up with this fucking stupid ass name. <laughs> I love it. And, it's uh, a great name. It's a great name. You're outvoted, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great name. I was outvoted. That's why Veronica, it's still there. Veronica, great name. Yes. I and so we're you. sitting there and I think him and the doctor were going back and forth and, and I looked and I said, Dave, this is fucking stupid. And so I lose. <laughs> and then we go on this, we go on this media blitz and we start talking to like KTAR, channel 12, channel 10. And those fuckers, 
want them to talk to me so that I can regurgitate what PISL stands for. And I can't remember. <laughs> and I'm in the middle of my PTSD and I can't remember shit. And they're giving right. me this acronym. So I was getting, that's why I hate that fucking name. That's too funny. Um, <laughs> so I can't remember. I have to pause and spell it out in my yeah. head. Yeah. <laughs> Start talking about what, what game yeah, you want to watch different this order. Sunday. Or being, right. like, I, dude, I don't know. I don't remember. So we didn't, I mean, we really didn't know what we were doing. And I, mm-hmm. up until this point, I thought maybe it was just me and Dave thing. Um, and so we, we, fuck, we weren't doing anything else. You know, I was boozing it up and Dave was struggling. So we started it up and uh, it took off and we've been doing it now for about seven years. Um, it's small and I like it that way because, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a roughneck cop. I'm not a marketing guy. I'm not on social media. We lose our fucking social media account numbers all the time. <laughs> fucking, I'm still waiting for it. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm just here. We're just here to help cops who need it. If you reach out to us, we're going to help you. Right. And if we can't help you, we'll send you somebody can. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's mainly in the East Valley of the greater Phoenix No, it's all area. over. It's all over Arizona. We, Is it? We've got three or four groups running. Right. Um, Dave's up in North Carolina now. He's going to start it up there. Um, and I think we're going to try to spawn off into another state. Um, the problem is is what you were talking about with bad clinicians. We, yeah. we put together a program called Coffee Cops and Clinicians where the, all these doctors and clinicians come in and they sit in front of, we sit in front of them. Mm-hmm. It's about four or five cops. Man, I'd like to attend one of those. With various trauma, uh, everything from a physical trauma, like what ARS des- describes as a physical, 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 mental, and a mental, mental, which is what Veronica and I have is mental, mental. Um, and then we get to tell them what we think about their stupid ass offices. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to hug the teddy bear. I don't want to <laughs> fucking talk to so and so. Why is it mental? Mental? Why is there no emotional involved? Where is there, why the, is there no spiritual involved? It, it, well, that's what the statute. The physical part. Yeah. I mean, like you look at me, right? You and and automatically you're going to think this is my adversity right right well this was 19 years ago you think i give two shits right that i was caught on fire 19 years ago i really don't i don't even think about it anymore it's the mental and emotional and adversity uh, i'm sorry and the spiritual it's the scars that you can't see well and that's what dave and i talk about that and we did a podcast about you know is it an injury is it just pt and and look i'll i say it every time i'm not ashamed of the disability that i have um when i if they take away the disorder part of it, you're going to enable insurance companies to write you off, and they already do that. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why they keep that word in there because I hate that word. I do. It's not, I think of it as an injury. It is not it, a disorder, but it's you're an injury saying on duty. You're saying you have to keep that word in there so that you can get financially. Well, no, not, it, it has nothing to do with financially. Remember, you just, Jason, you just said you 19 years out, you're struggling with emotional shit. Right. That means you're not healed from that injury. And that means if you need to go out and get a job and you're in front of a bunch of people and you start having a fucking panic attack, Uh you should be covered under the ADA because you cannot do that job the way that somebody who is not disabled could. I've never thought about that. And the the other. Yeah. And the other part is like when I was healing. Work, work comp was like, you need to fucking get a job. And I'm like, I can't get a fucking job. I'm going right. to murder somebody. Right. Right. Somebody's going to say the wrong fucking thing to me, and I'm going to just go 10-8 on it. I love that honesty. You know and, what? Yeah. That's, that's and the so, way it should be. Yeah. And so the doctors be are like, honest. you know, if you need, you know, you might have to get a service dog. So I ended up getting a service dog. Um, I have three service dogs. Yeah. 
<laughs> they all live with me. I don't know how you have three because one is almost out the fucking door. All the time. <laughs> I was going to ask, did you kill it? No, she's she's amazing. Well, I have three. I have three service kids. Yeah. Then I'm a father too. That I find a lot of, right. uh, of, of inspiration in. Then I have three service dogs. Right. That uh, they love you unconditionally. Yeah. So and she doesn't. I'm not ashamed. To, she allows to me to it. sleep from the night terrors before Aww. she was. She was out in the stores with me, and we trained together. And what it did was it put together back what I remembered training, and her and I trained very well together. Uh, so she would go out to the stores with me and keep people away from me because people are fucking stupid. And I would tell them, you know, PTSD doesn't mean pet the service dog. Stay the fuck back. <laughs> don't, don't fucking come to me. And... So they. Dude, that's the fucking greatest line I've ever heard. That's the service dog. So, I never well, heard because that. I, I actually told my wife, she's like, well, what patches you? And I wanted a patch that said fuck off on it. And she's like, we can't have that. Well, you know what's messed up is I am so guilty of that. I travel all the time. I fly nonstop week after week across this country. And I'm always petting service dogs. Yeah. So, oh, no. It's a dog. Now, now I'm going to be like, no, never mind. Because, and so, man, Manny told me you're an asshole yeah. when you do that. So, well, because I, I got to, you know, I just, you know, that disability thing, <laughs> when I started applying for jobs, I knew, you know, because I had to go backwards, right? Like, I went from being a detective, working high-profile cases in some cases, shootings, testifying, to being kicked so hard in the balls that now I'm working at fucking Chase Bank for $12 an hour. And I'm trying to be around these people that are not screwed up, that find joy in other people's birthdays. And they're just running around, like, happy birthday. And I was like, shut the fuck up. Everybody's got a birthday. What are we celebrating? That's how angry I was. (laughs) But what, Matt, what made a difference, and when I came to the understanding that it was time to not hide and not, not have an issue with what I had, unfortunately, which gets me emotional, was Craig Tiger. Because he he oh, man, he that, stepped forward dude. and owned it, and so at that point, yeah. But how did it end? Right, suicide it right. did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How did it end? Yeah, and he took his own life. Right. So it did. It, oh, that case. But I remember, mm-hmm. you know, I was struggling at the time, and I I was very very angry. I had a lot of homicidal thoughts, and um, my doctor's like, you know, you, you you know, if you're going to move forward you're at some point going to either have to mark the box that says disability or not. And if you choose not to and you struggle, well, then you lied to the employer and you lied to me. I love that move forward. Right. I had, when I lost my son, uh, my life was over in my mind. (laughs) And it wasn't until I talked to another father who lost his child where they said, you know, I've moved forward. Because there is no healing. It's a scar right. that can't You don't be. move on. You right. can't. Thank you. Don't you. Move on, Thank you. Yeah. But you do yeah. have. Yeah, and, and you don't have a choice. And pistol will help officers move forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we don't. We don't lie. I mean, we don't. We call you out on your bullshit. Yeah. I mean, if you show up to the fucking meeting and you're like, and I was like, how's your week? And well, everything's fucking fine. Like flowers and butterflies. <laughs> well, how was your week? Oh, fuck you, dude. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know you you're weren't fucking shit. okay. You're full of right? shit. You because, don't fart perfume. Right. Okay? Exactly. <laughs> and so we call them out on their, on their shit, and we explain the things that we're talking about. Like, look, don't be ashamed of this, mm-hmm. because I'm seven years out of mine, and I still struggle. Six had to pull me out of a fucking panic attack because my wife bought this stupid-ass fucking soap dispenser. <laughs> Instead of just having hand soap, she's got this motorized, you know, you get hand. Well, I was alone in the house, and it was just me and six, and I hear this fucking, and I went into a fucking flashback, and I panicked. Wow, wow. And so she actually got me out of the house, 
And, and so it matters to me because if I need that extra breath at my employer's, it's, it's because I wasn't weak when it mattered. And now I'm weak and I need you to hold me for a second. That's a great, right? That's yep. a great And if you take, great, for me, what bothers me is if you take that away, well, now I'm assumed to be just as perfect as you are, right? And, and it's not a perfection thing, but I still have to be able to function, right? And in order for me to function, you have to know what I went through. And, you know, how many times I've been at work and people come in, hey, let me ask you a question, cop question. I'm like, fuck, no. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't introduce you as your profession. Why do you introduce me as my profession? Mm-hmm. And I try, in Pistol, that's what we try to get these guys and gals to understand that, look, y- you are more than this career. Yes, be proud of it. Yes, it's going to come to another end whether you want it to or not. How it comes to an end is not your choice. Right. Wasn't my choice. Yeah, wasn't Veronica's choice. Wasn't your choice. Yeah. Right. And so we, we guide them, and then we tell them, look, don't fucking go into a room with a doctor who doesn't know what the fuck's going on, and... We have a list of doctors that we've vetted, that we sat through. For people that are listening and that are like, wow, I love where this guy is going, and, and Veronica, how do they get a hold of Pistol and tell us some contact information? Uh, you must have talked to Dave. I don't, know the fucking, I don't know the phone number, but if you go to our website, our, our phone Pistol number's on there, pistol.org, P-I-S-T-L-E.org. Veronica, can you please help out here? <laughs> when, when your partner's going, I don't know the number, I don't know what it stands for. You know what, I don't, I don't know, know the number do. either. I, I, I'm just, I, let's make a bobblehead of Manny, yeah. and then you can speak from now on. Manny, Manny can just show up with a bobblehead. Yeah, I mean, head. you can go. He doesn't have answered any. Yeah, any we have, we have a Facebook page. Veronica's uh, one of the facilitators, so when you reach out, she... We relay back and forth. It goes through the board. Um, God, I wish I could join that. But, yeah, you talk. Mark Zuckerberg. I can't do Facebook. Fuck I'm not that. on Facebook. <laughs> fuck that. Dude, fuck Facebook. Yeah. Fuck Mark Zuckerberg. He's the worst American in the country. Yeah. Hands down. But. And we got, we have, apparently we have an Instagram that we lost the password to. So, but we see it. <laughs> oh, I want to follow that. Yeah. So go, if you go, I, go to Instagram. Yeah. There's nothing new because I can't yeah, get on. Yeah. Because we can't fucking get on. Yeah, how about, I'm just going to give you guys my cell phone number and <laughs> tell me when the next meeting is. Yeah. I'll come to it. Right. And right I'll on. sit, yeah. I'll sit and uh, I'll be just like you. Like you're full of shit when yeah. you tell me everything's fine. Well, because we need that, right? I mean, well, when, when you're... Why a, lie? What is the point? What good does it do any of us or our support system right. to lie? But it's... And I shouldn't say it's a lie, but it's just a common thing. It's every day. How many people are you going to cross today that go, hey, how you doing? You just say, hey, I'm good. How you doing? That's just a normal response. Right. That's right. all it is. It's not really a well, lie. Well, and my wife, too, when we go to like some of the newer spouses or come in and you know, my wife's like, he's a fucking asshole. Like, he, he was a, a piss-poor drunk. He pissed himself, and he's a fucking dick. I almost divorced him. And you see these wives who don't want to talk about their husbands that way. But it's the truth. And that's what needs to be said, because behind closed doors... Oh, well, my wife would. <laughs> <laughs> She'll tell you. And it, and it matters. It matters, because yeah. you have to be honest. I was taught integrity. And you call it like you see it. Yeah. And the only way you're going to fix it is you learn from that mistake, and you correct it and don't make it again. But if you don't tell me it was a mistake, I'm going to keep doing that again and pissing you off, and it's going to cause strife. A doctor, in order to fix you, has to know what's really wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can't just say, oh, I'm great, as you're Well, don't lie dying. to the doctor either. Thank you. That's what I'm saying. You yeah. can't lie to yourself. You can't lie to anyone that's going to help you. One of the other things, too, with the, dis, with the title disability or disorder or whatever, look, you got to take meds, whether you like to or not. 
I mean, you got to get stabilized. I didn't want to take fucking meds, antipsychotics, Lexapro, lorazepam, every other fucking Pam you could get. But that's what got me to sleep. <laughs> every Pam, every cotton, yeah. every uh, and yeah. and that's the and that's really the what we explain to them when they come in. We've seen personally when an officer comes in okay. right after a critical incident, and they listen to what we've told them and they apply it. They're better because of it, right? We I told Dave one time, look. To, to know those the road ahead of you, ask those coming back. Yeah. So I would ask, hey, what the fuck's ahead of me? Right? No, there's a pothole to the left. Don't stay to the right. Well, if you don't listen to me, that's your own fucking fault. That's exactly right. right. It's and, a choice. It, right. So if you come to Pistol, we're going to tell you, these are the things we did wrong. Don't, don't fucking, and we still do. I mean, I can bring you guys on here and I'll say, hey, you probably don't want to drink today. Okay. And then I get a call from their wife. This motherfucker's passed out in his own vomit. Oh, he didn't fucking he didn't no, listen. No, but I really do want to drink yeah. today. So. <laughs> and everyone's journey can be different in terms of what happened to him. Like like yes. with Jason talking about the emotional, you know, right. the spiritual. Uh, it's not always. Again, that's pistol p i s t l e dot org. I cannot thank you enough, Veronica and Manny, for for not just being here and talking, but for everything you've done in the community. Thank, Thank you, you guys for, for having us. Yeah. I appreciate you guys, it. Seriously, you guys are amazing. And please call me. I would love to come. And yeah. I'll keep my mouth yeah. shut. And we're doing I don't want like, you to keep your mouth right. shut. And we have shut. like, you know, we've got the different groups in the Valley. I Obviously, COVID to, messed some of that up. But yeah. we do Zoom things, too. So yeah. we have we've people got a from, podcast and stuff, We have people too, from all of, We've had officers from Canada, yeah, Australia. Mm-hmm. We, we need to help each other. And we're sitting in a room full of people that... Uh, and I mean, Robin's doing an incredible job sitting here producing our show, but, uh, the, the, big, li- one, the life I that could, she's lived has, has, is yeah. full of adversity that she has. Look at her, like how beautiful <laughs> and the smile on her face. You have no idea. You don't know what right. this woman has gone through and I'm going to make her cry right now. Cause that's always a goal of mine. But, um, and you know, Darren and me and you guys did this. I'm, I really believe this now. We got to start focusing on P. TG post-traumatic growth we can do this and we can do this with people like us who have been through stuff and gotten to the other side mm-hmm. and Manny and one thing, on the other side you had something to yeah say. It, it, look we're not fucking businessmen and we nobody on pistol gets paid in fact we wrote it in our bylaws that the president can't surpass 50,000 we ain't even fucking close to that to, to paying us so if you donate to us, it goes to the officer's treatment. Um, it goes. Awesome. It goes to we. I've been through West Coast post trauma retreat. We'll pay for therapies, um, but you know, don't be that cop that fucking donates to the fucking Navy SEAL fund if you don't know a fucking Navy SEAL because you probably know an officer who's struggling. And I'm not good at asking for money. I don't think any of us are, especially as cops. It's a cop thing, but. You know, if you shoot us a couple bucks, to me, that's incredible because I've helped officers um, off the ledge. Veronica has seen it, and we try to get them the help that they need. Um, and so that's my one plug for, for money. P-I-S-T-L-E dot org. Thank you, Manny. Thank you, Veronica. Thank you. We'll be right back. More stories, inside guests, and true blue humor coming up on Batch Boys. Woo! 
We'll be back right after this. Move over, AZ. Arizona's move over law requires you to move over or slow down when you drive past any vehicle pulled over with flashing lights. Remember, every vehicle, every time. Move over, AZ. Sponsored by ADOT in partnership with the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station. I'll never forget, never forget that moment. As long as I as live. Long as I live. My first call up ever as a member of the National Guard. When we got to the armory, they briefed us on the wildfires. They were getting dangerously close to homes. Helicopters were going out to drop water on the fires. Guys in the unit were preparing for firefighting with local fire crews. At that moment, I got my first taste of just how important the Guard is to my community. See how the Guard can be an important part of your life at NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Arizona National Guard. Aired by the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station. You're listening to Batch Boys with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Now, back to the Batch Boys. Welcome back to Badge Boys, everybody. Darren, that was, man, I can't even tell you. I've got 50 different emotions flowing through me right now that I could, I could talk about. That was an great incredible, guess. Great guess. incredible episode. And we need to continue yep. to expand on the, uh, that, that's going to be my new thing, post-traumatic growth. growth. I like that. Yeah, I, it, we, we, we got to get this figured out. We got to get it right, and we got to take it all the way back to the 20 year olds in the academy we just had a kid uh and i called him a kid um he obviously fucked up in uh a town a little small town in texas just north of dallas a few nights ago um he shot and killed a guy who was breaking up a domestic violence incident and of course the guy he shoots and kills is black and the 20 one year old officer is white and now he's been charged with murder he completely it's on body cam he did not do anything close to correct and somebody lost their life somebody needs to get through to people in the if we're going to make change if we're going to truly do reform and not talk about the racism and the the political side of it because you know how i feel about that um and that's something we're going to touch on right now so in St. Louis this week, uh, it's been going on for, I don't know, this probably started two months ago, I want to say. Uh, the McCluskeys live a very successful uh, couple, made a lot of money. They live in a nice, gated community in a million-dollar house, and a bunch of protesters came into that area and... Actually, I shouldn't say protesters. They, they that's are, what the news calls well, them, but they were trespassers. Well, 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 some news, like you like to watch CNN with Steroid Boy and those other fucking idiots. But the McCluskeys defended their home by arming themselves and standing. You know, I, give, I give them a lot of credit. They stood out in front of their front door with their guns like, you know what? You are not going to hurt me today you are not going to hurt my property and we have that right so then it turns into this political thing and this racism thing because it's the black lives matter movement the prosecutor in st louis is all about she clearly does not give two shits about law and order she cares about her next election and moving up in the world if her side wins the McCluskey's got indicted this week. And for those of you, I know most people listening to this show are police officers. 
But for those of you who don't understand, when you go in front of a grand jury, what's on a grand jury, Darren? 22, 25 people maybe? And it can vary. Yeah, it can vary. It's very unusual. And what you are, your goal when you go in front of a grand jury is to get a, what's called a true bill, to get the indictment, to uh, get it to stick and move on to the, the next process in the investigation. They've been indicted this week for... I mean, I say for protecting their home and their lives, they didn't shoot anybody. They didn't point their guns at anybody. They basically stood there saying, and I, I should have done better research. I'm always the first person to admit that I'm not the most informed as we talk about this, because one of the great things about, or what I love about our show is we don't talk four or five days in advance. We don't, you and I, Right. We don't organic go over every single detail. So I don't know who sat in front of that grand jury, but whether it, first of all, if it was a police officer, if it was one of St. Louis's cops who sat in front of the, that grand jury, man, but I'd like to have a fucking word with that person because I don't know how in the world you went in there in good faith and said what you said. But even if it was a lawyer, which it would have been a prosecutor, who's supposed to believe in law and order, how in the world are the McCluskeys being indicted for a crime right now when all they did was protect themselves and their home and nothing else? They didn't hurt anybody. They did not hurt anybody. That is a fact. Yeah, this is a, a bad case. Uh, this is uh, Patricia and Mark McCloskey. This happened, I want to say, in late June. Uh, there was a, uh, uh, the July is when the investigation really started in earnest in regards to the prosecutor wanting to charge them with this uh, recklessness of their weapons. And like you said, these were trespassers. These weren't just protesters. They were protesting, and then they broke into a private road. It was a private street. They broke into that private street, stood on the McCloskey's property. Both the wife and husband are lawyers. They're um, civil attorneys, kind of like injury attorneys. And they had... AR-15 and the wife had a little gun her gun she had her finger on the trigger and that's in the video so Kim Gardner which is the prosecutor has indicted them through a grand jury now as we all know in this room grand juries are are secret it's it's in place of a preliminary hearing they do the grand jury and in this case it's private it's Secret, we can't talk about it, and they've not disclosed it. But to uh, Jason's point, you're right. Uh, if it was a police officer, how can you live with yourself? Um, they've they're not indicted a single protester who trespassed on that property, who, by the way, some were armed, and some, uh, by the way, made threats. The McCloskeys uh-huh. have said, so this should have been um, um, exculpatory evidence, that the trespassers were threatening them. And how in the world can you, it's, it's insane. The only thing I disagree with you, Jason, I hate CNN. <laughs> but I watch CNN, I, just, I, I give I, myself I up. Just, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep teasing you about that because I know you, I know, I I know you watch the same yeah, But discussing. I have to call so, their bullshit. And you know what I equate this to? I always dumb it down to, well, what would I do? And so just this week, about three nights ago, 
uh, the neighborhood that I live in. I'm very blessed to live in a private gated community as well. And if there is a Black Lives Matter movement or some fucking radical out there who wants to dox me and come to my house, I welcome you to the barrage of fucking lead that you're going to uh, enjoy for dinner. But I woke up the other morning and my neighbor had sent me a picture of a guy who was trying to break into their car and they were out of town at the time. Well, I, I won't say exactly what my neighbor does and I won't reveal her gender, <laughs> but she is a federal law enforcement agent and her significant other was showing me this picture and we were having some jokes. I said, you know, maybe you and I need to sit outside. And then I wanted to put on social media the picture and be like, hey, uh, I know you weren't successful last night in breaking into the car, but why don't you come back tonight? Because uh, we, got a, we, got a little, uh, welcome, we got a little welcome party for you. <laughs> because I, we are talking, in the world we live in right now, and I say this at risk of understanding that I'm, I am a public speaker and everybody thinks, oh my God, Jason overcame all this adversity and he's this great motivational guy. You know what? That's all fine, but right is right, wrong is wrong. Somebody breaking into my neighborhood, trespassing, trying to break into somebody's car, I have no problem at 1 a.m. being out there with a shotgun and whether you are armed or not, you are going to get shot and killed that is just the way it is so i think the mccluskey showed great restraint oh i agree I, great restraint i'm looking at a video from the night before and i'm sitting there like this was 15 feet from my bedroom where i was sleeping the timestamp was 12:05 a.m i would love to know who this little piece of shit who was probably on meth and just needed to break into a car you know what dude it ain't like Oh, I'm going to call 911. Somebody broken. Hey, there's somebody. No, I, dude, you're going to get shot. Come to my house. Unwelcomed. You, I, I, that is what is going to happen. And I'm just telling you, that is what I will do. You so, know, the, the first thing I thought of when I heard this is the McCloskey's would have been absolutely 100% allowed to do a citizen's arrest. Are we correct? They could have done. Well, we're work. correct. When's the last time you heard of such a thing? Uh, every shoplifting. So every time, every time th that, th that there's an indictment. does not count. Jesus Christ, they, you're bringing back really horrible memories from 20 years ago of me being in Walmart. And so I. I those, you, you, that no. couple could have arrested every single one of those trespassers. They were committing a crime in their presence. They could have arrested every one of them. And they would have been allowed to use reasonable force in doing it. And they were armed. I can't understand how they're could be an indictment against someone that would have been because it is strictly as political it is it is 100 percent. it is, it is. and hopefully they will sue CA. for unlawful prosecution well there there is no way in my opinion there's no way they're going to be found guilty because it's on video and there shouldn't have been an indictment they, well they should there shouldn't have been an indictment and and i i would love to know who was in front of the grand jury and then i'd like you know they can't it's sealed but I'd love to talk to some of those grand jurors and be like, what did you hear that you... And grand jurors are... Listen, they are completely innocent in all this. I don't blame any of them. It's whatever was presented for whatever to them. they heard. What was they presented have, to them. They, that is a very important job. When you get selected to a... It's one thing to get called the jury duty. When you get selected for a grand jury, it's, 
It's a it's commitment. It's a serious deal. It's it a is commitment. a very pro- I've I've been in front of many many grand juries presenting evidence on homicide cases, and it was intimidating for me. So I, I'm thinking, and God, you what always have to provide through? the exculpatory. In this case, there's more yeah. exculpatory than there is incriminating. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So uh, you know what I, I am definitely on the side of the McCluskeys. I will pray and hope that law and order prevails here, and not the advancement of the politicalness from the the DA and uh, whoever else in St. Louis, because this is just, it's complete bullshit in, in every regard. And at some point this ha- you know, if they would have gotten killed in that, the same politicians have been like, Oh, that was just, you know what? Hey, that's just people protesting the George Floyd murder. You know what? Fuck that. You, that we are talking about your first amendment rights to self-protection, protection of your property and and then the freedom of speech and when those all collide there there is a right and wrong and i just think the da in st louis uh she got it incredibly wrong but she was she was double barreled on these oh this family from day one like i'm gonna get them because a statement it's gonna get me the support of the this this movement that's yeah. going on and basically just, that movement is right is wrong wrong is right up is down down is up yeah it's, it's crazy it, it's ridiculous and that's you know what that's enough for our cop time there, there's nothing else to be said uh we're gonna move come back uh with uh inspirational story and i'm so glad to hear that we're gonna talk about my hero my favorite person in the world, Mayor Sarcasm. Bill de Blasio. Oh, my God. My we got best, a good one. We got a good best, one. My best, we went to lunch the other day. I, I, I'll have to tell you about that. Oh, yes. Oh, dude, he's the greatest person in the world. <laughs> so, um, Biggest turd in America. We, we will be, uh, we'll be right back. More stories, inside guests, and true blue humor coming up on Batch Boys. We'll be back right after this. I remember, the, I remember moment. the moment. I'll never forget that moment. As long as I live. As long as I live. Several of us were working to rescue a family. The house collapsed on top of the cellar door and trapped them. We had to use Humvees and heavy machinery to move massive trees and debris. We got them out. We helped a lot of people out. It felt good to know I could really make a difference. Because I'm a citizen soldier in the National Guard. Be there the moment your community needs you. Learn more at NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Arizona National Guard. Aired by the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station. Move over, AZ. Arizona's move over law requires you to move over or slow down when you drive past any vehicle pulled over with flashing lights. Remember, every vehicle, every time. Move over, AZ. Sponsored by ADOT in partnership with the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station. You're listening to Batch Boys with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Now, back to the Batch Boys. Well, that may be a first. We were 100% in agreement on Cop Talk. There wasn't even any nuances different. Well, except for your love for CNN. (laughs) And Chris Cuomo and, you know, his his family and the the murderous governor. I I mean, Darren, come on. You got to admit it. (laughs) I do watch CNN. I do. And it kills me when I do it. But I do it because I want to call them on their bullshit. God, they're horrible. Uh, Speaking of the opposite of bullshit, Heroes, you have a good heroic headline, do you not, my friend? Yeah, and shockingly, after all these episodes, after all this time, I stay away from celebrities. Celebrities are there to entertain entertain us. And then a lot of times, of course, right now with Hollywood, they are more than fucking annoying because they just say stuff 
that they have no idea what they're talking about. But last week I talked about Charles Barkley. Love and him. Uh, yeah, yeah he, and he's a hero here in Phoenix. He truly is. Big time. He's, he's very looked up to, one of the top four athletes we've ever had in at least my lifetime, which yeah, I'm, I'm approaching 50, so it's, it's, it's a long time. But Mark Cuban this week really struck me. Do you, know, do you know the two things that he's done in the past couple of weeks? I do know the story you're going to be talking about. Both of them? Well, I know the one. Because this is what gets me. This And I don't agree with everything Mark Cuban says. I mean, I, I like watching Shark Tank. I think he's a great guy. I respect him for the money he's made and success he's had. I don't agree with all of his political statements. But one thing about Mark Cuban, and I'm not an NBA fan. I hate the NBA. I absolutely don't give two shits about the Dallas Mavericks, the team he owns. But... Over the years, you've never heard on the news anything bad. Mark Cuban does not go out and do bad things. He's not in the tabloids. And in the past couple weeks, Mark Cuban has showed me the very definition of just simply doing what's right, and he went on both ends of the spectrum. So on the first end, there was a gentleman who used to play in the NBA by the name of Delonte West. Guy made $16 million. He's a good player. He was a good player. He was a great player. Yeah. Made $16 million and he ended up homeless. And for, you know, hey, we all go through stuff. Don't know the reason. Drugs, yes. whatever. He ended up homeless and some civilian in Dallas who recognized, like, oh my God, that was, you were in the NBA, you know, like that's, that's a big deal. Mark Cuban helped Delonte West. But do you know how he helped him? I do. This guy, so Mark Cuban is worth $4 billion. With a B. He's in a, yeah. He's in a position that he can't help people. But it's not like he donated money. He didn't say to one of his hundreds of supporters, hey, go find this guy. Mark Cuban himself got into his own car, drove throughout the city, <laughs> looking found, for him. found him, yeah. made sure that he got in his car, said whatever he said, and was able to get Delonte West into a rehab center and get him the help he needed. Then you completely flip that 180 degrees, and I don't know what moved Mark Cuban. I don't know who in his family or his circle of friends. I don't know what words, because this happens across the country a lot, but those two L.A. County Sheriff's deputies that were ambushed in Compton a couple weeks ago. Right. One was a, a mom who did just heroic. Truly heroic. Things after being shot in the face. She's helping her, her partner. partner. Yeah. Mark Cuban donated $50,000 to each one of them. So you that. are talking about a guy who's helping a down and out former pro athlete who's probably you know hooked on drugs or alcoholism lost millions of dollars and then he's donating a considerable considerable amount of money to to officers and wow. that just inspired me so much because I don't care who you are or what your thoughts are Mark Cuban has a clear vision of just doing what's right and doing it to the maximum that you're capable of doing. We all have, you know, limited resources or some like Mark Human have unlimited. The guy got in his own car and he went and found Delante. 
And then he donates money to a couple of officers. And that inspired me so much that even the the best of the best in this world, the, the people who have a huge platform and a huge voice can still bring it back down to just being a good person. And I, I just, I now I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what he says from here on out. I love Mark <laughs> Cuban and, and I want to thank him. He inspired the hell out of me this week. Yeah. I love that story. I didn't know about the uh, helping the uh, officers. I knew about 50 grand to himself. each family. That's amazing. $50,000 yeah. cash. Yeah, that's again, dude. there are some really good people out there. And then there are some not so much. Yep. The Don't dumb, talk about my friend. We got the dumb Don't talk about report my friend. from infamously killing a groundhog during Groundhog Day <laughs> photo op to his ludicrous COVID-19 sex safety tips detailing anal sexual instructions on the city website. We now have this from. Are you dumb. serious right now? I am so I serious a, from dumb de Blasio. Anal sex safety tips on the about website. COVID? Yes, yes. Oh, a Bill de Blasio, a Bill de Blasio, just a random 54-year-old dude from Long Island, not the 59-year-old mayor, has gotten thousands of angry emails from would-be constituents over the years. As if he would change his name, the non-mayor, Bill de Blasio, responded, Hey, I had it first. As the 59-year-old mayor changed his name in 2002 from Warren Wilhelm Jr. after his late father, a World War II hero, to Bill de Blasio to the chagrin of the real Bill de Blasio. Yep, you heard right. Mayor Bill de Blasio was actually born Warren Wilhelm Jr. after his late father, a World War II hero who served in the Pacific Theater and lost his leg in a grenade attack. The mayor, who was... Uh, changed his name numerous times, changed it to Bill de Blasio in 2002. Uh, yeah, apparently not wanting to be associated with a war hero. Is there anything about this mayor that isn't a lie or fake or just stupid? Nothing. To, nothing. To recap, during our dumb de Blasio report. Uh, he has denigrated police by signing with a violent mob. He's deplorably empowered lawlessness over law and order. He's demands millions of tax dollars to pay for vigilantes. Uh, he's disbanded over 600 cops from an anti-crime unit. He's defunded the police department $1 billion. He defends no bail with revolving jail doors for criminals. He denounces New York business for Marxism. He destroys the city's budget while paying his wife millions for stupid things. He's declared... Borrowing money is the answer to an increase in the shootings and gang violence and murders. And now this. Yeah, he's a fake. Thanks a lot, Mr. Mayor, for your continued hatred of police, killing the city's budget, letting criminals go free, and not wanting your father's name since he was a war hero, and for transforming the Big Apple into a rotten one. Warren Wilhelm Jr., a.k.a. Bo de Blasio, sir, you are a dumbass. And yep. that is the well, dumb de Blasio report. That's, uh, uh. That's Did not, you know that? Did you know a, that's not even his name? No, I, I, no, I, dude. The biggest turd in America. The, the because one he is tall. I will say that. He is tall. So he's a big the turd. The one person on this earth who is never speechless is me. And he, <laughs> it, he, he does. He, I, I can't even find the words. He's just, he's just <laughs> fucking disgusting. God damn. Anyway. So, yeah. So after all that discussing us, we need something inspirational. Yeah. And you know what? This, uh, I want to give you credit, Darren, because you passed off this week's inspirational story to me. And when I read it, I was just like, God, this makes so much sense. And I want to share it with everybody. If you catch 100 fire ants, as well as 100 large black ants, 
and put them in a jar, at first, nothing is going to happen. However, if you violently shake the jar and dump them back on the ground, the ants will fight until they eventually kill each other. The thing is, the red ants think that the black ants are the enemy and vice versa, when in reality, the real enemy is the person who shook the jar. This is exactly what is happening in our society today. Liberal versus conservative, black versus white, pro-mask versus anti-mask. The real question that we need to ask ourselves each day in our own homes, in our own backyards, is who's shaking the jar and why? And why are we letting it affect us so much? And uh, this really hit home with me because I, I struggle uh, you know, all the time. If I do happen to watch CNN for a few minutes and see Chris Cuomo, all of a sudden, like Manny, I'm in a homicidal <laughs> rage. Like, dude, I want to um, I want to text um, him and be like, dude, meet me anywhere, anytime, and understand that you're going to have about 38 seconds of life left. And you read a story like this, and it makes you realize, you know, to question who's shaking the jar and why, and why are you letting it affect you? I mean, a guy on CNN running his mouth or de Blasio, these stupid politicians right now with the election come up, they don't affect what's going on in behind my closed doors. They don't affect what's going on in my backyard and with my children. And you, we need to get refocused. And to take it back to our first segment, which I'm just so profoundly moved by, my heart is so full at the uh, the honesty and the vulnerability, and I, I definitely want to get involved with the pistol organization, but uh, let's change the narrative. Let's talk, start talking about PTG, post-traumatic growth. We all go through trauma. Robin, right? Yep. You don't have to be a cop. You don't. You, you don't. Post-traumatic growth. We can do this. We have all done this in this room. Yes. We have grown. You lost your son, Darren. You took a life. You killed somebody. Again, I apologize. No, no. That I speak so so crassly and casually about that. I'm not I'm not trying to. I was lucky enough to never do that. But I look at you every week and I'm like, I don't understand how this guy you guys think I'm positive? You you ought to come meet Darren Birch. Darren is the most positive guy I have ever known in my life. He never stops smiling and he's currently facing a tremendous amount of adversity that he doesn't even share on air. So post-traumatic growth, we need to change the verbiage. We need to change the narrative. Words matter, and we can all do this. God bless you all. Uh, great show. Darren, thank you so much Back for bringing Manny and Veronica on. Just uh, incredible guests. They were awesome. This is going to go down as uh, possibly my favorite show ever. Robin, thank you very much. And as always, we will do this again next week. God bless. Batch Boys. Thanks for listening to Batch Boys. Stories, insights, guests, and true blue humor with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Batch Boys. Heard weekly and worldwide on Star Worldwide Networks and all mobile devices. Badge Boys.